Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Tryon. I'm Jeff Harris. I'm the pastor here at First Baptist, and I'm grateful for you joining us today. I must say, podcast might be a bit of a stretch because really this is our weekly sermon, and I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this week's sermon. I will give one word of warning, though, especially to those of you who are driving. Sermons um, from time to time tend to put people to sleep, so if you're driving, be real careful. We don't want you to fall asleep, because we'd love to have you tune in next week. (laughs) I hope you enjoy this week's sermon, although enjoy is really not the intended outcome of a sermon, but I am grateful that you took the time to listen, and I hope you have a great week. I'll catch you next week. Welcome to First Baptist Church of Tryon. I'm glad to have you joining us for worship today. Those of you who are joining via Zoom or on YouTube, those of you who are joining us here in the sanctuary, it is good to be together even while while we are apart. So one of the things that I have missed about not being able to do worship like normal is that we can't really pass the peace like we normally do. But for the last couple of Sundays, we have tried to do a little version of that. And so I'm going to try that again. I'm going to spotlight those of you who are here in the sanctuary so that you can say hello to these folks and they'll say hello to you. So give them a wave and tell them hello. So So on this fourth Sunday of Easter, this fourth Sunday that is also known as Good Shepherd Sunday, may we join our hearts together to worship the one who is our shepherd as John Spinks rings the Trinity to lead us into worship. Christ is risen. Christ has risen indeed. Darkness has been vanquished. The brilliant light of hope has come. Come, let us worship and celebrate the good news. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Amen. Let us worship and the risen Lord.
may we pray. Oh God, you are a God of grace. You are a God of love. We open our hearts and our minds to worship you. Thank you for this day as we live in your presence, as always. Thank you that as we gather today, we join with Christians across the world to glorify your name. Come be with us, inspire us, and lead us in our time together. Amen. Our scripture this morning is from 1 John 3, 16 through 24. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just a personal word before we sing. I, this is the first time I've worshiped in this room in a year and a half. And I am very, I'm overwhelmed by the feeling I have by being back in here, even though it's different. It's just a great blessing to be back and worshiping with you face to face. Oh, would you sing with your hearts as I lead us in, I sing the mighty power of God. <clears throat> Oh, yeah. 
Our scripture reading this morning is from John 10, 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I remember learning this hymn in elementary school, and it was one of my favorites, Fairest Lord Jesus. Oh. 
Offer one other scripture reading, very familiar one from Psalm 23. I remember the first time I read that text in a service of worship, I was still in seminary and I was helping officiate a, a funeral. And I read that Psalm from the NRSV, which is the translation that I usually read from. And it starts off very similar to the King James, and, and I could see people kind of saying it with me, and then where it departed, I could see people get real confused. So I've never read it from anything but the King James since then. So if you know this one, feel free to say it along with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> so a couple of words about shepherds to begin with. There is this popular notion that shepherds were outcast, that they were despised people, that they sort of lived on the margins. And, and I have heard that many times, and in fact, I have said it more than a few times myself. 
there's a lot of conventional wisdom around that, that in first century Judaism, that is how shepherds were viewed. And in, in fact, uh, Alan Culpepper, probably our best Baptist biblical scholar, he said it this way. He said, in the first century, shepherds were scorned as shiftless, dishonest people who grazed their flocks on other people's land. Can you drop the house sound just a hair? I'm getting a little bit of a thank you. I could, I could quote many other scholars who say the same thing. Aristotle, uh, almost 300 years earlier than that, though, he said it this way. He said that shepherds are the laziest folks. They lead an idle life, and they get their subsistence without trouble from tame animals. That seems a bit uh, harsh coming from a philosopher, doesn't it? That you'd call shepherds lazy? Um, especially since shepherds locate food and water for the flock and they guard the flock and they'll go off looking for sheep when they go astray. I think lazy would be a bit of a stretch. But it is true that that's often how we think of shepherds, that they're lowly folks, that they were dirty and they smelled and they lived on the edge of society. Yet on the other hand, if you explore the scriptures, there's a long history of shepherds. For example... Abraham was a shepherd. Moses did some shepherding. David, also a shepherd. Those are three fairly important folks in the Jewish tradition. Abraham, Moses, and David. I mean, it doesn't really get any bigger than that. And then the psalm that I just read. The Lord is my shepherd. So even God is viewed as a shepherd. This is why Amy Jill Levine, who's a Jewish New Testament scholar, you don't find a whole lot of those folks, but there are a few. She's a Jewish New Testament scholar. She says that our common view of shepherds as being these sort of outcast on the margin, she said is that that's incorrect. She said that's not right. She said in the first century, Jews did not see shepherds as lowly outcast. Well, as you might imagine, there, there are arguments on both sides of the issue. But I have come to believe over these last couple of years that I think Levine is probably right. That, that shepherds really were not thought of as these outcast kind of folks. You just think about the heroes of the faith. I mean, is that really how they viewed Abraham and Moses? And David, not how they viewed him. And then God being looked at as a shepherd, not just in the psalm, but in other places. I think to be a shepherd was actually to be a respected person. Especially this image of God as shepherd. This one who cares for us. Who gives us rest in green pastures. Who leads us beside still waters the one who restores our souls, the one who walks beside us even in the darkest valleys of life and death, the one who follows us with goodness and mercy, the one who will never abandon us. And then Jesus himself says that he is the good shepherd. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The shepherd who lays down his life 
for the sheep. Not like some hired hand who runs off when things get tough. But this shepherd, this shepherd is committed. This shepherd is faithful. And this shepherd did, in fact, lay his life down for the sheep. And Jesus wants you to know that no one took his life. He's clear. He says, I laid it down. I gave it because this is who I am. And then in this reading from 1 John, it's explained this way. We know love by this, that he, this is Jesus, the good shepherd, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. The good shepherd laid down his life for us. We know that story, right? That's Good Friday. We know it well. But there's a big and in there. The text doesn't just stop with Jesus laying down his life. It says, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. And then the text offers this question. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses That's a pretty challenging question. I sort of just wish we would have stayed with the example of Jesus, right? Well, let's just talk about Jesus, but all of a sudden the text swings to us. It moves from Jesus to the expectations of those who follow Jesus. This is the go and do likewise part. And the go and do likewise part is always hard, really hard. Now, I want to be clear that the main plot of the Christian story is what God has done through Jesus. That's the main plot. And I hope that every time we gather that I make that clear, that God has done for us what we are unable to do for ourselves, that God's reconciling love, that is the main point of the story. We cannot hear that enough. We need to be reminded of it over and over and over, at least I do anyway. But the story doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there because there's this go and do likewise part. Good shepherd laid down his life for us, and so we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Now, I just want to be clear. We don't lay down our lives for one another. We don't help people out so that God will love us. That's not how the story works. We don't do all those things so that we'll be loved by God or so that we'll be accepted by God. It's the, it's the opposite of that. You see, God already loves us. And so that love of God and that love of Jesus, it compels us to live like Jesus. And the text says, Therefore, let us not love in word or speech, but in truth and in action. This is why Martin Luther King Jr. led the struggle for civil rights because it was a way of living out the gospel. It was his faith in Jesus that literally cost him his life. 
It's why Mother Teresa gave her life in service of the poor and the dying. It's why Lottie Moon gave her life and her food to the poor and the hungry of China. It's why she starved to death trying to love those people that God had called her to serve. I could go on down that list and we could name many well-known Christians who have offered their lives in a very literal sense for others. And while I think that this is mainly very inspiring to hear such things, there's also the risk of having the opposite effect. I mean, when I hear about those kind of people and they're tremendous examples of sacrifice, if I'm not careful, I think, well, I mean, I can't do that. I'm never going to be able to do all that. And so if you don't watch it, you just do nothing. But, but here's the truth. You weren't created to be Martin Luther King Jr. and you weren't created to be Mother Teresa. You weren't created to be Lottie Moon. That's not who you've been created to be. Most of us are just normal folks. We're just normal folks and, and, and we're not going to be all that well known. Not going to be famous. But when normal folks like us commit to living more like Jesus, there's this powerful cumulative effect. I, I once heard it explained this way, that if all of us normal folks could just live with simple gratitude, and if all of us normal folks could just be faithful in the small things, if we could be kind when no one is watching, if we can be honest when it profits us nothing, if we can be hardworking when nobody thanks us, that if we can be faithful in all of those small things, then it turns out that those things really aren't small. When we offer forgiveness to the person who doesn't deserve it, when we take a meal to our neighbor who's in need, when we are kind to the person who isn't kind to us, when we see people for who they really are, when we look past all the ways in which we're different and make friends with people, these things matter. They change the world. It's the way that God brings the kingdom to bear. Fred Craddock said when he was a kid, he said he gave his life to Christ at church camp. And he said, oh, I meant business. He said, I meant business. In fact, he said, when I was a little kid, I could just imagine myself lined up on a brick wall in front of the firing squad. And they would say to me, hey, Craddock, you've got one more chance. You can deny Christ and you can live. And he would say, no way. And he'd say, I would offer my life right there. I was willing to die for my faith. But he said, it never worked out that way. And that's not how it works out, right? Most of us don't have this one grand opportunity to be faithful where it will cost us everything. That's not how it works. We give our lives to Christ with a little here and a little there and a little here and a little there.
we give our lives to each other by being faithful in the small things. And there will be times when we fail miserably at living this Jesus way, which is fine because in case you haven't noticed, you're not Jesus, right? Neither am I. There'll be times when you feel like giving up. There'll be times when you think, you know what? I'm so insignificant. What I do with my life, it doesn't matter. But it does matter. It does matter. You remember that one sheep that wandered off, right? That one sheep wandered off, and the good shepherd left those 99 to go look for that one. This is the kind of shepherd that we have. This is a shepherd who loves us fiercely and a shepherd who will not give up on us and a shepherd who wants us to go and do likewise. To not give up on yourself, to not give up on others, to not give up on doing all the good that you can, wherever you can, wherever you can. Because what we do with our lives matters. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord, you are our shepherd. You are good and you are faithful and you supply all of our needs. And we are so grateful for your goodness. We are so grateful for your love and for your forgiveness. Not only are we grateful, but it inspires us. It inspires us to live as Jesus lived. Help our living to reflect you in this world. Help us to be reflections of your mercy and your grace, your hope and your healing. We pray especially for those who need your hope and your healing this day. You may unmute yourselves and offer their names aloud, or you may speak their names aloud here in the sanctuary, those who need God's healing and God's help. Erica Brent, Mona, and Ken Anthony. Ray. Bill Kimball. Ray Joy. Linda Harris. Ann Hall. Story. Lord, be with the ones that we have named and the ones left unnamed and the ones unknown to us. May your hope and your healing be with them and us and this whole world. We pray all of these things through Christ our Lord, the one who has taught us to pray. And so I invite you to unmute yourselves at home and here in the sanctuary to join me as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It has been good to worship with you on this, the fourth Sunday of Easter, as we continue to celebrate the good news of Christ's resurrection, the new life that springs all around us. It has been good together for those of you here in the sanctuary and those for you joining us here on Zoom and on YouTube and those who end up watching later in the week. It's been good to be a part of the community of God today.
So here's the benediction. May you go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And as you go, remember who you are. You are disciples of Jesus, our Lord and our brother. Children of Almighty God, bound together as brothers and sisters through the Spirit. You are the very body of Christ. So may you serve the Lord with gladness all your days. Amen. So if you are joining us on Zoom, feel free to hang around and catch up with each other. And for those of you here in the sanctuary, if you'll hang tight for just a second. And uh, I hope you have a great week.